have your Bibles, let's take them again and go back to Hosea, chapter number 3. I'd like to speak to you on this theme, God loves the unlovely, the wonders of redeeming love. God loves the unlovely. The book of Hosea is obviously uh, a book, I shouldn't say obviously, but it was a, it's a book written by the name of the, the author of the book is the name of the book, Hosea. He's the human penman that God used to write this book. The name Hosea means salvation. Salvation. It is a message of, of course, we know that our Bible was not written in chapters. Those were divided up later, but it has 14 chapters. But it's literally a message of salvation to a group of people who were spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. Maybe you could tell that by just a little bit of this first, this third chapter. Maybe you've never read any of the book of Hosea, or maybe you've read all of it before and know a bit of the story. But Israel, Hosea was a prophet. We might say he was a preacher. Of course, there was no church yet, because the church was established by Jesus Christ with his disciples, and then it was empowered at Pentecost. But God did have men like Hosea and many others who would say, thus saith the Lord. Of course, they did not have the, the word of God like we do today, and so they had a more of a direct revelation. So it would be God speaking directly to Hosea or others and saying, here's what you need to preach. And so today, that's why if somebody says, I have a, I have a message from the Lord that's not in here, run. You can't run, walk very fast. <laughs> I'm saying away from them. Because there is no more revelation apart from the word of God. This is the finished revelation of God. And so, anyway, uh, Israel, as we said in previous weeks, was very prosperous at this time. Uh, materially speaking, we talked about how that prosperity can lead to a lot of problems. And in this case, it was the same. There was even political uh, peace at the time. There was also um, military peace. But sadly, there was a great need spiritual. In fact, as we said already, they were a morally bankrupt people. We can see that right away from verse number one of our text. If you have your Bible, look at verse number one. The Bible says at the end of the verse that they look to other gods, small g. Now, keep in mind, this is the same people, the descendants of the same people who, as, as we've said, the repetition is the key to learning, that <coughs> were delivered by Jehovah, the one true God, were delivered uh, from Pharaoh and were delivered and taken into the land of Canaan, and on and on it goes. And so, unfortunately, though, over time, uh, they forgot the works of God, and they are looking to other gods. Think about that word other for just a moment. 
We still have other gods in 2023. They're different than they were, but they had them then, we have them now. And I would, I would encourage you today to, that's not really the whole message, but I would encourage you today that if God speaks to you about an, another God in your life, today you would be willing to say no to the other God and fully say yes to the King of Kings of Lord. In this case, the other god was the Canaanite god Baal. And Ashtaroth would have been also along with this worship. I'm not going to go into all that was involved in that worship, but let's just say it wasn't pretty at all. It was vile and it was evil. And this is not pagans. I'm not talking about pagans worshiping Baal. I'm talking about the people of God worshiping other gods. Notice it says there as well, they look to other gods and they love flagons of wine. We can say this morning that Israel was guilty of a great spiritual evil. The people of Israel, it seems, had no real love for God. There's no way they could love God and go this direction. At the same time, they may have had a little bit of love for God, but not the kind of love that we spoke of in Matthew's gospel a few minutes ago. They had no love for the word of God, which would have been from the, the, the prophets of the day, and they had no desire to worship God. But I will say that it seems that when a prophet showed up, this isn't the only time that a prophet would show up, but it's one of them that for some reason, they would listen. They would listen. And he came with a message. Hosea came with a message. And so God takes this prophet, Hosea, and he takes his wife, Gomer, and their family setting, and he's going to describe it as a picture of his relationship with Israel. And I believe we can gain much from it as well today, because as we know, God's word is profitable today too, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. But notice right out of the gate, number one, we see the wonder of a loving, pursuing God. The wonder of a loving, pursuing God. Because in verse number one, the Bible says, that then said the Lord unto me, who's me? Who's me in this text? Hosea, right. Remember, he didn't have a Bible. You know, when God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his spirit. But in this day, he couldn't go and, you know, necessarily grab the Bible like, like we can today. And so uh, God speaks to Hosea. He says to him, go, yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. We're going to talk about this. But notice what he says. This is how I want you to love. He's speaking about Gomer. This is how I want you to love your adulterous wife. According to the love of the Lord from the children of Israel. Hosea, 
I want you to go and I want you to deliver a message. And Hosea, I also want you to set an example. I want you to love your adulterous wife, who is a picture of the nation of Israel. I want you to love her, and I want you to love her with the love that comes only from the Lord. I want you to love her, as it says here, with uh, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. The wonder of a loving, pursuing God. And today, in 2023, God is still pursuing. God is still going after lost people. God is still seeking to seek, or God is still seeking and saving those that are lost. He is still pursuing those who are not pursuing him. His own people were not pursuing him. And yet, uh, God God tells uh, Hosea, pursue your wife who has been unfaithful to you. Anybody ever been unfaithful to God? Anybody ever been unfaithful to God? Yeah, oh yeah, all over the place. But yet God says, I want you to love her according to the love of God. Not according to your love, because your love isn't going to go very far, especially when you've had someone... uh, like this in, in your life. It may not be, I'm not talking about this particular sin. I'm just talking about in general. And so he says, love her that way. Now, let's take a look at several things, uh, or at least several things about this loving pursuit. Who was who was who was Hosea? I almost combined, I almost combined Hosea and Gomer. And you know what it was going to be? Homer. Homer. He's it's not biblical. <laughs> I almost said, who is Homer pursuing? Wasn't he some kind of a poet or something? Anyway, Hosea, look at chapter one, please. Chapter one. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, all right, here it is again, direct revelation, speaking to the prophet, go, take unto thee a wife of mortems, talk about that. And children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom. Wow. I mean, what a terrible picture. Whoredom three times? Not pure. Not lovely at all. And he says, departing from the Lord. Notice that is the description of the people of this day. It's not just the description of Gomer, it's the description of the people of the day. Notice it says they were what? Departing. That's a word to underline. I'm going to say something lovingly, but I pray that you will accept it. You are either going closer to the Lord today, or you are departing from the Lord today. That's right. That's good. You're not in the middle. There's no middle ground. You're either going closer to the Lord, and I pray that's our goal. That doesn't mean we don't fall back. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. That doesn't mean that we don't yield to temptation, because we do. We're flesh. We fail. But don't stay down. Don't stay down. Confess it. Forsake it. And get back on to drawing nearer to God. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. 
Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. We don't do any kind of baptism by sprinkling. We don't do any of that here. We're, we're uh, immersion like the Bible teaches. Amen. By the way, that is the only baptism in the Bible. Okay. Amen. Not trying to step on anybody's toes, but that's what the Bible talks about. That's right. And so, uh, but we don't have any water up here for you to come cleanse your hands. That's not really what it's talking about necessarily. But we all know what it means to have dirty hands. Come inside with dirty hands and maybe your mother or maybe your wife says, okay, right over there. Before you do anything else, right over there. Cleanse your hands. If I'm going to be getting closer to the Lord today, one thing I might want to say is, God, what do my hands look like? Have they been picking up some dirt? Notice it says here that the people as a whole were departing from the Lord. It is my prayer as the under-shepherd of Anchor Baptist Church that we would all who know the Lord would not be departing from the Lord. That we would be drawing nearer to the Lord. When we draw nearer to the Lord, do you know what happens? We can really see things more carefully. We begin to see things in our life that need to go. We begin to see things in our life that need to be added to our life. Not because we have to do it, but because we love God. So, the Bible says that they were departing from the Lord. I must hasten on here. I don't believe that God was commanding Hosea to marry a prostitute. I believe the description that we are given here in verse number 2, that notice it says, the wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. I believe this phrase, a wife of whoredoms, basically means and tells us that she was an Israelite, meaning she was a product of her society. She grew up in this society, meaning this woman was raised in idolatry and rebellion. Because notice what it says, that everybody was departing from the Lord. And yet God did tell Hosea to marry her. Notice verse number four. And the Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel. Verse three, they get married. Verse four, they have a son, Jezreel. The name Jezreel. The name Jezreel, okay. But now in our text, the Bible says, and it's probably one page or back and forth. We're going to be flipping back and forth. So the Bible calls her an adulteress, though, in our text, chapter 3, verse 1. It would seem that the marriage started out right, I guess is what I'm saying. Look at chapter 2, please, in verse number 5. The Bible says, For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. In other words, Gomer has left the home. They have, their, she has gone to a life of selling her body, if you will. Notice it says, and I, I'll, you know, I'm trying to be as appropriate as possible here, but 
She's, she's selling herself for bread. She's selling herself for water. We know what that is. That's a prostitute. She's selling herself for flax and oil and drink to make a living. Right? That's where she's at. This is a little bit of a glimpse into the lifestyle of gold. But as with all sin, as with all sin, as with all sin, it finishes in death. Because look at what it says in our text that we read a moment ago, chapter number three. The Bible says, chapter number three, verse number two, so I bought her. So I bought her. Bought her. Yeah, because now she's a slave. The fun is done. The pleasure of sin, it's for a season, the Bible tells us. How long does the season last? We don't know. It's not one to gamble on, by the way. It's not one to play around with. Sin is nothing to play around with. Because unfortunately for Gomer, the sin and the fun and the whatever was over, and now she's a slave. Now she's for sale. What, what, a, what a sad sight. What a sad depiction. Isn't it, isn't it something that God puts everything in here for a purpose? He didn't just put the book of Hosea. Oh, let's just put the book of Hosea in there. Eh, let's just throw it in. That might be how we do some things sometimes. Let's just fill it up with this. Oh, God put everything in here for a specific reason. God put us to this passage of Scripture today for a specific reason. And, and the, 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 pardon me, the lifestyle, the lifestyle of unrepentant sin does bring, bring pleasure. But it also brings ruin. It also brings devastation. It also brings destruction. Now remember, remember the theme, the wonder of a loving, pursuing God. That's point number one. This is a pretty bad picture. We're painting the picture. The Bible's painting the picture for us in its own words. The Holy Spirit's painting the picture for us that when God told Hosea to pursue Gomer, he was telling Hosea to pursue someone that in man's eyes was very unlovely. Very unlovely. Someone in man's eyes that you would say, oh, really? But God was even saying and pulling back, showing you, showing us today that this is the way God is pursuing and did pursue you and me. You say, well, I don't, I don't have the resume of a gomer. Hey, you, were a, you and I were both of a gomer. You and I were both. All of us were sin sick, destined for hell. And we did not pursue God. We didn't pursue righteousness. But God pursued us. God sent his son to pursue us. God sent people with the truth to pursue us. 
God sent his word to pursue. It wasn't the pastor or the church that pursued you. It was God who used maybe a preacher on the radio or on the television or, or in, in a building or wherever. Or God who used a mother to pray for your soul to be saved. Or God who used a father or a friend to invite you to church. And you heard the gospel and you got saved. However it is, behind all of that is a loving, holy God. the dirtiest of the dirtiest me Hosea I want you to go I want you to pursue Gomer but I want you to pursue her according to the love that I have. Not your love. The love that I have. Sin always leaves its mark. Go with me to Romans 6. Many of you know this verse by heart. Romans 6. The wonder of a loving, pursuing God. Oh, let's be thankful. You know, let's look at the pages of of Hosea, and let's see our name. Can you see your name in there? That's really when you read the Bible, what you want to do is you want to put your name in there. It's not just a story about something in the past, it's a story about right now. Right now, we have people that are, as the as the as it said. In, back in Hosea, who are departing from the Lord. We have that happening all the time. So that's really current news. Even though it's thousands of years ago. Romans 6.23, you know it. If you don't know it, it's a good verse to memorize. Let's say it together if we could, please. Romans 6.23, ready? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, always. That is unchangeable. You say, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. Great. The wages of sin is still death for you too. It may not be eternal death in hell, praise the Lord if you're saved. The second half of the verse, the gift of God is eternal life. But sin still brings death even after we're saved. Don't play with sin. It's a killer. It's poisonous. Don't play with it. And then, quickly, let's go to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, 15. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. The way of the transgressors is hard. So the Bible paints a pretty sad picture, but it also shows us the wonder of a loving, pursuing God. 
Verse number one of chapter three. He said to Hosea, go yet love a woman. You know what he's saying? He's saying, go show Gomer you still love her. This must have been so difficult. I'm thinking of it from every perspective possible. Show her you love her again. The Bible says who he's to love again. She's beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. She still has feelings for someone else. Loved of her friend. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Could we, be, could we be committing spiritual adultery today? Could we be? Well, I'll tell you the answer. The answer is yes. We could be. You could. I could. Because if I love anyone more than God, I'm guilty. It could be my wife. I could love my wife more than God. That's not right. I could love our children more than God. That's not right. I could love you more than God. That's not right. You know, sometimes a pastor may not want to preach a certain thing because he doesn't want to offend someone. That's showing that I love you more than God or I think more of you than of God. That's wrong. It should be done with compassion. It should be done with thus saith the Lord, not this is my opinion or this is what I think, but what does the Bible say? Sometimes it's hard to swallow those things, but... I need to be able to love God more than you enough to preach that kind of a message when it's time. And, and you could say, do you love your boss or your employer? I should say, maybe. I'm not saying you love your boss, but you know, do you love your employer more than God? I don't know. You will have to answer to God for this. You'll have to think about this. You'll have to pray about this. I'm just saying, we look at, uh, uh, sorry, Gomer, and we think, boy, that's terrible. But yes, spiritual adultery is terrible too. Anyway, I love the um, I love the immediate response of Hosea to the command of God. Do you see it with me in verse two? So I bought her. What's not there? Remember how we read the Bible? What's not there? There's no, you know, God, you know. I don't know if this is a good plan. Or let me think this over for a little while. Nothing wrong with doing that. This was a direct command of God. Love her like I love the people of Israel. And there's no hesitation. So I bought her. So I bought her. In other words, okay, God said it. Whether I understand it or not, that settles it. I'm going to obey God. Because God always blesses Obedience. And Hosea says, so I bought her. Why did Hosea do this? 
I believe Hosea did this because Hosea loved God. And because Hosea loved God, Hosea could still love Gomer. He loved her before she fell into sin. He still loved her. He loved her in spite of her sin. His love is so great for God, I believe. I believe this today wholeheartedly. I wouldn't say it. That the reason he, he obeyed immediately is because he loved God. Otherwise, it's hard to love, it's hard to obey immediately with something this difficult. Some things might not be as difficult. This would have been a hard one. It is a beautiful picture of the un an indescribable love that God has for sinners. No one had to tell God to love you. No one had to tell God to love me. The song says he loves me like I was his only child. God really loves me. Yes, he really does. He loved me when I was an innocent child, although I don't know if I was ever an innocent child. You probably he loved me when I chose sin over righteousness. He loves us today. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.4, let's go over there quickly. I'm, I'm trying to watch my time, but it seems like my time is fading away. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, you're going to want to circle two words because it not only says that God loves us but in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, that's a powerful thought, not our thought for right now, but it's a good one, for his great love. And you want to circle those two words, great love. Ephesians 2, 4, it's not just love, it's great love. Wherewith he loved us. So two times, it is a great out the, the, the repetition of that, that he with great love, wherewith he loved us. Okay, I think it was good enough to say great love, but then we got wherewith he loved us. So there's an emphatic statement there about the greatness of the love of God. I may spurn the love of God, yet he continues to love me. I may not have time for God, but God continues to love me. I may ignore God, but God is, is still, his heart is still set on me. I may turn a deaf ear to the plans of God, but he doesn't stop calling me or calling me to come unto him. Uh, he loves me. He loves you regardless of who we are, where we are, what we've done. He's an overcoming, overwhelming, with an overcoming, overwhelming, awe-inspiring love. It's a great love. He says, Hosea, no love going. So I bought him. Secondly, quickly, we see the wonder of his purchase. The wonder of his purchase. We've mentioned it in verse 2 already. Hosea finds Gomer. She's now been sold into slavery. Possibly sold as a prostitute. We don't know. She is a far cry, no doubt, from the woman that he fell in love with. She is a far cry from the woman that he married years before. 
I don't know if he had to search long. I don't know if it, if it doesn't really tell us because it just says, so I bought her. So again, there's some things that we just have to say, okay, that's how the Lord wants it. But you can have a little bit of a spiritual imagination possibly and think that maybe he had to go, maybe he had to search. I don't know. But there was some, there had to be some searching. There had to be some looking to find where is Gomer. And when he finds her, he finds her not beautiful like she once was, more than likely, but now she's on the open market as a slave for the highest bidder. But we don't see any hate from Hosea. He doesn't change his mind and turn away. Was his heart broken? I would say yes. We are told that Hosea paid 15 pieces of silver and a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. According to Exodus 21, we won't turn there for time, the standard price of a slave was 30 shekels of silver. So he paid far less than that. It could be that he didn't have that much money on him at the time and so it, it, it seems that he paid about half of the going rate for a slave. In fact, he used barley. Barley was the cheapest grain in this day. The poorest of poor would use barley for their own food sometimes, but it was primarily supposed to be used for animals. This isn't about the money, I don't think. To me, this is more about how it must have worked on Hosea's heart. We might say it cost him his pride, if you will. As here he is in a public forum, here he is before a crowd of witnesses. Picture it, picture it. This isn't behind the scenes. This is in public, up on maybe a uh, maybe up on a, a platform of some kind. He paid everything he had, from what we see, at least. He paid a great price for by his standard. This woman had betrayed him. This woman had betrayed him. More than once. And yet he goes into this public forum with all that he has, and I want to buy it. Did everybody know that was his wife? I don't know. It's not in the Bible. I would imagine some would have known. Just my opinion. He willingly pays the price to redeem Gomer from the life of sin. Fast forward ahead, hundreds, maybe hundreds and hundreds of years later. Only we're not at a slave market. Now we're at Calvary. It's an open field. It's an open market. It's a hill. We have three crosses. We have the man in the middle, the God man. For all to see, 
barely recognizable as even being a human being by the time the Roman soldiers were done with it. Naked body shredded by the cat of nine tails. Really just a piece of meat, if you will, at that time, by that time. Crown of thorns on his head and nailed to a tree for all to see. This is God's One who entered this world in such a beautiful fashion. A humble fashion, but a beautiful one. But now, like go now, like Hosea in this public market, Jesus is hanging on a cross, and it's God's son. The best God had to offer. Talk about shame. Talk about public humiliation. And the Bible says, he went as a lamb to the slaughter. The Bible says of our Savior that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Jesus willingly suffered the shame, the pain, the public humiliation. And he even suffered the greatest part when he heard or when he realized that he knew his father. It was coming. He knew it was coming. The song says he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, but he died alone. Yes, he was alone because even his own father, when your sin and mine was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ, his own father, God Almighty, turned his back on his own son. In the middle of the day, it went dark. Because there was no light. And Jesus endured all of that by the Roman soldiers, by the Jewish leaders, by one of his own disciples, and all of that is nothing compared to the separation at that moment from God. So that we can have the hope of heaven. What a blessing today to be saved. The wonder, and by the way, we are that purchase. We are going. Praise God. He was willing to send Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You were willing to die for me. I'm not deserving of anything but hellfire. Thank you for that. And then lastly, we see the wonder Number one of the pursuing, the wonder of the purchasing, and lastly, the wonder of his purpose. Verse 
verse 3 tells us. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another. So will I also be for thee. Why did Hosea do this? Well, we've already covered it. In one way, because he obeyed God. Secondly, we kind of covered this as well, because he, he, he truly loved Noah. But I believe we can see a third reason, potentially, why he did this. And that is that he wanted to make a difference in the life of Gomer. Notice how he ends verse 3. He says, okay, no more. See it there? No more playing the harlot, no more with another man. And notice what he says, so will I also be for thee. You know what? That's a confidence builder when somebody says, I'm for you. I'm for you. Even when we make a mistake, I'm still for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, I think. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us. Now, yeah, if God be for us, and by the way, God is for us. We see it in we see it in, in Hosea that God is for us. We see it in the life of Gomer and Hosea that God is for us in 2023. Yes, God is for us. But here in the life of, of Hosea, we see him telling his, his wife who he's bringing back into his home, he's saying, I want you to know that I'm for you. 